This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, you need to turn on your mic before you... Mi- he th- Look how bad I am. <laughs> Thought I had it on. Oh, uh, yeah. Old man shakes fist at cloud. I was saying, I was saying, like, <laughs> so Lance walked by behind the glass here. For those that are not watching yeah. on TV and are on radio, Lance walks by the glass in the break. I go, that's not Jeff. And then Jen walks by and I'm, that's not Jeff. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, Jeff's not going to make it for the start of I made this it. hour. You made it. I made it. So we did. Uh, Elliot and I spent, and Elliot's going to join us in a couple of moments. Uh, spent the whole morning doing interviews. Uh, was a lot of fun, but. Going to get to that in a couple of minutes. Uh, what happened in the first hour? You had Craig Conroy on. What did he say about the trade? Well, he he talked about, um, I asked him about Hunter Bruskevich's skating ability and how he says, well, we can work on that. That's something that we, we can fix. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah, but that's the same. That's yeah. something we can fix, right? Yeah. Um, as well, we talked about getting Andre Kuzmenko going, and he mentioned how, you know, uh, Trent Cull was in Vancouver with yep. Kuzmenko and how Gabby got him going. So they have a little inside information on how to get Andre Kuzmenko going. Well, so yeah. that was very interesting. That's interesting. Gabby stops by about in the hour, right? Yes, he does. I don't know. I'm new to today. I yeah. don't know what's happened. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you're, you'll are you be fine. I okay. mean, you can talk to Elliot, who you just you know, Thanks, spoke Dad. to forever. Um, He's got to be so sick of me, just like in general <laughs> in life. Oh, uh, we guy. all have those moments. Um, Craig also was talking. I asked him, I said, you know, is does this Lindholm trade give us an indication of where you're heading? And he's like, well... We have some decisions to make. We're still in it. I'm curious to see where things go from here. He basically said we weren't re-signing him, so that's why he yeah. was dealt, and which is the way we that, thought it was going to go. That's why we wonder about Tanev. That's why we wonder about Hannafin. Yeah. Right? Uh, not so much we wonder about goaltenders, but nonetheless, I mean, he did go out of his way. still out there. He did go out of his way to talk about how well they were playing. And, we, and you know, Kevin Woodley said on this program, Jacob Markstrom is having a Vezina type season, yep. but his, you know, the numbers that you see on NHL.com will not tell you that story. It's fascinating too. You know, for the longest time and growing up, I was the same way. You probably were as well. You looked at a goaltender's GAA. Yep. And then we realized, I don't know how long it took us to realize this in decades, um, that goals against average is a team stat. It's not a goaltending stat. And we're almost getting there with save percentage now. Like we're miles behind anyone in, in the, uh, uh, in that world, uh, of interior numbers. Not us regular them. people. Not <laughs> us like slack-jawed yokels that just look at NHL.com. Um, but they'll tell you, like, no, like the, the the way we measure players, the way we measure games, it's like so far ahead of uh, of what is public. Anyhow, okay, great. Matt, are you going to hang on for a little? I'm going to bring gonna you be, back in a bit. I'm going to be here. I will be around. Right. I'm going to go eat lunch. Okay, very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the meantime, from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, someone who thought he was done with me for the day, but he's not. Uh, he's Elliot Friedman. He joins me now. Hello, Friedge. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, bud? Uh, are you walking? Are you in your room? Where are you right now? I'm actually about to go. In, I'm actually going into an elevator going up to the Gary Bettman Media Conference. So we'll see how this works. Okay, yeah. Let's let's begin there. I, w- I want to get to a couple of things from today. Certainly the Winnipeg Jets have a new center. Um, the Los Angeles Kings have a new coach, at least interim mm-hmm. coach. Um, but what do we expect here from the Gary Bettman press conference? I mean, we've talked a lot about this. World Cup of Hockey, Four Nations, whatever you want to call it, Olympic participation as well. What do you expect from the commissioner today? Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting because I think there's a lot of uh, different uh, places that this could go. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, they're going to want to talk about the return to the Olympics. Yep. Uh, that's going to be 2026 and 2030. 
They're going to want to talk about the creation of the uh, four nations. I don't know what they're calling it. I, I, I heard they were thinking about four nations, but there's already a four mm, nations already tournament. Is. Yeah, there already so is. I don't know what the official name of this is. But, um, you know, we'll, they're going to want to talk about that, no question about it. But, you know, we are in Canada, and there's going to be a lot of media here that want to ask about, uh, sadly, what's happening on Monday. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, it's just, it's, and, I, and I say sadly because it's just a really hard, tough, uh, sad story. And, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions. This is the first time that uh, Commissioner Bettman is going to be available uh, publicly since uh, the news of the charges broke. Mm-hmm. And even though, uh, you know, the London police aren't officially going to comment for the first time until Monday, there are still going to be plenty of people here who are going to want answers. Yes. And uh, I would expect that he's not going to say much. Um, I think he will probably wait until uh, it gets announced. Um, like, you know, the whole idea of using the Olympic announcement or the World Cup announcement to shield from the 2018 story, like, I don't think that's even possible. Um, um, I I just think that people can ignore one or the other if they want. Uh, People can process both if they want. I just think now the audience is is too sophisticated for that. Yes, Um, I agree. You cannot cannot use one to shield from the other. And uh, so, I, I mean... I don't know what to expect here. I think it's going to be, um, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about it or an attempt to ask a lot of questions about it, but I just don't know if there's going to be any answers. The the, the one thing that I do wonder about um, with regards to the, uh, the 2018 case, and as, London, as Elliot mentions, London police will have a press conference on Monday about it where they'll uh, share more information. Uh, I, I'm with you. I don't think that the commissioner will say much. Uh, I think they'll he'll you know talk about how it is a legal proceeding, et cetera, and defer to the London police on Monday. I think one of the questions, though, if you if we're looking for some type of you know indication of what might be next, I think, and our, at least I wonder if uh, if Bettman is asked about and discusses you know what powers of suspension he has here at all. Now, a lot of it would be governed by certainly two documents. Uh, one, the CBA, and the other, the SPC, the standard player's contract. But, you know, that's about all that I'm expecting uh, as far as new information uh, to come out of uh, the Scary Batman press conference vis-a-vis 2018. Um, do you think that's fair? Well, I think anything's fair. Like, you know, people are entitled. It's a media conference. People can ask whatever questions they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think there's anything no, unfair I mean, about it. More, more, more um, like, but, more like if, if you're gonna, if you're going to expect any type of new information to come out of this, because I, I'm like you, I think he'll you know defer and shield and no comment and yeah. it'd be inappropriate of us to mention anything right now. Blah 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 blah. But yeah. the only thing that I think we can expect maybe is well, what are what do you have the ability to do um, by way of your title and by way of the CBA? Well, first of all, I'd be surprised if he even answers that, to be honest. But, mm. like, you can go through the history and you can see the answers to those questions, uh, Jeff. And num- uh, he has, it's Article 18A. He has some pretty significant powers. The challenge in figuring it out is he hasn't, hasn't always used them similarly. If you look back to Slavovoynov, he was suspended with pay in 2014. 
and the Kings terminated his contract yeah. uh, once the legal proceedings ran their course. If you look at Semyon Varlamov from Colorado, and that was the year earlier, yep. he was not suspended. His charges were dropped within months, and he's still in the NHL. So what it says to me, Jeff, is it's what they know behind the scenes. And to this point, the NHL has been very guarded about, uh, about its report and investigation. Same with Hockey Canada, which is in the appeal phase. And, you know, I've said to you before, I think that's because of the threat of legal action, if any of that stuff got out, before there was some proof. Yep. And so, like, it is shown that he can suspend with pay if he wants to. I think the other thing that people are kind of wondering about is, what if the teams want to take action? Um, will they be allowed to do that? Because I think in a couple of cases mm-hmm. that has been raised, uh, can the teams terminate contracts or anything like that? And uh, I don't know the answer to that. I, uh, I wonder if they're going to say you have to let the legal process run its course mm-hmm. before you do anything like that. Okay, so we will uh, we'll, we'll stand by to see what the commissioner has to say in his afternoon press conference. Uh, meanwhile, this was a really newsy day. Uh, this yeah, was... well, we were sitting taping a whole bunch of interviews. <laughs> well, it didn't stop you from getting your work done, which was impressive because you uh, broke the trade in front of Mitch Marner and then I think uh, and, uh, put out the information about Todd McClellan in front of both Rick Bonus and Rick Tockett as well. So people in the industry got to watch your thumbs hard at work, Elliot, which was uh, a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, let's start with... Uh, let's start with Sean Monahan. So, you know, this is a very unique one. Uh, they got a first rounder um, by, by taking Sean Monahan from the Calgary Flames, and they got a first rounder uh, on the way out. And if if I'm if I'm analyzing this trade, you know who got Montreal the first rounder? The doctor that worked on Sean Monahan's hips. Yeah. That doctor is come on the en français, as we say in French. The first star, La Première Etoile, that surgery got Montreal the first round pick. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. And I'll tell, I'll tell you this morning that uh, one thing that's very clear to some of the great players that are here for All-Star Weekend, it's that they really feel that Monaghan looks like a much, a much different player. Yep. That he looks a lot better. That it's noticeable how much better he looks. And that's one thing that really struck me this morning from talking to a couple of the players there, the, the, the peers, the ones who play against them. Yeah. They just said, look, he looks a lot better. And, I mean, if the players know it, then uh, everybody knows it, right? Yep. So you're right about that. Um, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, so after our appearance on Spitting Chicklets last night, I went to go see Bieber. Yep. And while Bieber was on the stage, I got a text, look out for Monaghan to the Jets. And this morning, um, I got a little bit of cold water thrown on that. I don't know if it was Monaghan uh, or it was someone else got involved, but there was a chance this morning it wasn't going to be the Jets. Hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out who that is, but there was somebody else there. And then, you know, the Jets stepped up. I don't know if it was adding the second pick or what it was, or Monaghan was satisfied with the decision. But there definitely was a hiccup this morning. And then while we were sitting there and talking, they got the deal done. You know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting player. You know, um, you know it, it sounds like he's going to play on the second line yep. with Perfetti and Ehlers. 
Um, uh, I think that it's it's a great spot for him. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. Like, it's, we've talked about this. The debate about Monaghan is, uh, he, I know he's improved and he looks great, but can he handle a 2C role uh, in the playoffs? And the Winnipeg Jets are betting he can't. Yeah, he, um, he, he looks tremendous. Um, I, uh, you know, it was interesting because, you know, we, as you mentioned, we sat down, we talked to Rick Bonus and, and Rick Tockett as well, and you can tell he's excited. Rick Tockett is excited about his center um, as well. You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't think for one second that the Monaghan acquisition by Winnipeg was a uh, reaction to the Vancouver move at all. I think that regardless of what Vancouver was going to do, if they had a shot at Monaghan, they were going to take it, and they were going to bring him in nonetheless. But... You know, here we go. We're starting to see the heavyweights in the in the Western Conference start to load up. Vancouver, as predicted, with Jim Rutherford, make their move early, and now the Winnipeg Jets with Kevin Sheoff, Kev Dayoff at the helm, they make their move early as well. Like you know, you'll recall, you know, there have been deadline deals made by the Winnipeg Jets before, but you know, they had a shot at getting Sean Monahan, and they wanted to do it early. And I thought what Rick Bonus talked to us about. This morning, and this is a, an interview that Elliot and I did with both Bonus and Talkit. You know, both of them talked about bringing in players early so there's not a scramble at deadline uh, when you don't have a lot of practice time. And that's one of the things that I think we should keep top of mind with both of these trades is you get a player in while the team still has practice time. Because when you pick up a player, a trade deadline, it's March. A lot of the practice time is vanishing, trying to get someone acclimatized to the new city, to the systems on your team, etc. It can be a real scramble. Essentially, Elliot, this is a long preamble for me to ask, are, are we expecting more moves like this now well in advance of trade deadline? Well, I think what it says to me is that um, that it's a, it's a seller's market. And... Um, and that when do, when do you have a seller's market when you think that there is a scarcity, yeah. right? And um, obviously people think that there's a bit of a scarcity. Uh, you know, Lindholm, as you said, Rutherford did what he does. He goes out early and gets it done. Yep. And Winnipeg moves quick on Monaghan. And so, um, you know, clearly teams feel that there's a limited number of players that they like and they better get it done. And uh, I think that's where we are, Jeff. It's like, um, you know, sometimes when you look at Rutherford's past, he makes a deal and everybody just kind of waits. It doesn't Mm. necessarily mean that everybody else follows him, but now they're following him, which says to me that they don't see a lot out there and that what they like, they better go get it. Okay, so here becomes one of the questions, then, that I have for you. And this comes off of our conversation yesterday, where you said um, this Vancouver Canucks move, picking up Elias Lindholm, is an indication that Vancouver thinks they can win the Stanley Cup. And I agree with you. I think most people will hear that and say, yep, that's right, Elliot. Mm -hmm. What does this Winnipeg Jets move tell us about the Jets? Well, I think the same thing. I I think that they believe they have a really good team. And... um, that's what it says to me that they think that they can win too. Like you're not trading first round picks yep. for rentals unless you're unless you think you can win. And that's what it it says to me too. Like, you know, we sat down with Connor Hellebach and Kyle Connor this morning 
And uh, no, I don't dye my hair. Uh, <laughs> I, Hang on. Did someone just ask you if you dyed your hair as you go through yeah. whatever hotel you're going through right now? No, I'm at, I'm at the Scotiabank Arena because of Batman's pressers in 15 okay. minutes. Who just I'm asked you? Who, who just I'm asked you? Who it was. <laughs> um, but uh, that's ridiculous. Like I, I'm, I'm married. I have nobody to impress. I don't dye my hair. Uh, your hair does so, look good, though. I got to give you that. Uh, not this morning. I, I ran out of product this morning. I looked like uh, Seinfeld oh, no. without the product. No product. Uh, my fainting couch. No, yeah. So anyway, like I, I just think it's like we talked to Connor Hellebuck and Kyle Connor today, yep. and. You know, what did they say? They said that, that Connor Hellebach said, we are a lockdown defensive team. Yep. And, yep. you know, w- and what did what did Rick Bonus talk about is playing without the puck, right? Yep. Um, you know, scoring goals is the sexy thing. Scoring goals gets you paid. But if you want to win, you have to be able to check. Yep. And Defend, play without yeah. the puck. So, and also, too, like, you know, like Winnipeg, too, like, you know, there was a lot of talk about attendance this year. Um, you know, what takes care of attendance? Wins. It's winning. You know, you, you got to be able to put on a good show. People have to go, when they go to a game, they got to feel like they're having a good time. But at the end of the day, the thing that matters the most is W's. And, you know, like they're winning games. Um, that's going to sell some tickets, uh, a trade. And maybe, you know, people say, oh, the Jets are all in it. Maybe it sells some packages for next year, too. Like, uh, I don't, you know, I think those are, those are things that are all part of the conversation. Um, you know, what I, I found interesting was Hellebuck's answer when we asked him, you know, is this the best Winnipeg Jets team he's ever played on? Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, this is the most structured Winnipeg Jets team that I've ever played on. We'll see how far they go. Uh, yeah. I just thought that that was an intriguing answer that even though it may not be you know, uh, they may not have, you know, the most skill. Like, Wheeler's not there anymore. Dustin Bufflin is, is long retired, et cetera. Jacob Truba, it's still the most structured team um, that he's played for. And did go out of his way to say, uh, I'm just playing the same way that I've always played, but the structure around me is a lot different. Always, you know, deferring to his team. And, you know, the reason he may win the Vesna Trophy, in his mind, is because of the structure around him. Not necessarily his play, which has been great, but he points out, I'm still the same goaltender. I'm not doing anything different here. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think, though, it, it's pretty interesting about how they talk about Hellebuck as kind of a leader on the team, too. Like, he's very yeah. much a backbone there. Um, look, I, I think this year, the whole Jets' uh, tone changed when Hellebuck and Shifley signed. And, you know, as I said at the time, and I've said many times since, I believed Hellebuck was going to sign. I did not see Shafley coming. Um, but I think what it did was it, it just sent, like, it brings you credibility. And, you know, Hellebuck, um, you know, he's, when we talk to him and he does interviews, he's pretty stoic and pretty serious. Yeah. But, like, on the ice, I think he's a bit of a psycho. And that's a good thing. <laughs> you kind of need that. Uh, he is pretty intense out there. Okay, Los Angeles Kings. Um, at last check, they had just beaten the Nashville Predators by a score of 4-2. to two, uh, But all the haters said, it's not going to change a thing. Todd McClellan must go. 
And yeah. uh, good call, haters. Uh, sometimes the haters are right. And Todd McClellan what's is that, now. What's that tweet? You've got to give credit to the haters. They were right about this they one. They were right about this one. That's uh, Todd. Mc... I, I don't get the sense that this was, again, like I, I, much like in Ottawa, I don't get the sense that Rob Blake really wanted to do this. No, there's at no all, way. There's, that he yeah. really had no appetite to do this, but it gets to a certain point. Um, and that win, as we now find out, was essentially meaningless for the future of uh, of Todd McClellan. Nonetheless, here we are with the new reality that after the All-Star break, the Los Angeles Kings uh, will go to, um, uh, will hit the ice with a brand new head coach, albeit interim. Your thoughts on Todd McClellan, the Los Angeles Kings, and what is next, Elliot? Well, I, I think that, for, first of all, you know, someone made a joke about our podcast today. I said that the surfing will be a little bit better for Rob Blake because they won a game on Wednesday, and obviously that wasn't the case. Now, the one thing I, I really agree with, Jeff, is that one game should not change your mind one way or the other. I, I don't think that's a winning rationale. I think you look at the overall body of work, and one game shouldn't necessarily change your mind. And so that I understand. Like some people, sometimes people say, well, they won their last game. I, I don't think that's relevant. Mm-hmm. If you're going badly, one game shouldn't change it. Um, as, as we talked about, I, I don't believe this is what Rob Blake wanted to do. I, I, I really think that he wanted to get Arvidsson back. Yeah. I think he felt some loyalty to McClellan because McClellan stabilized their team and got them into the playoffs. Um, and so, like, I, I don't think this was something he wanted to do. Now, the release today said that Jim Hiller will be the interim coach for the rest of the season. Mm. And, you know, if you think about it, at the beginning of the year, Todd McClellan signed a one-year extension that tied him in with Rob Blake. And what that says to me is that between now and the end of the year, the Kings are going to be thinking about a lot of things. And it could mean that some big decisions get made at the end of the season. That's what that says to me. They are punting this between now and then, and we're going to see the way that this all goes. Um, You know, Hiller... He's interviewed for jobs before. Um, you know, he's got a, a really good mind. Um, he's He was one of the coaches who was really big in – first of all, he played. Yeah. So he's obviously was a good player. Number two, he had a real analytical bent. I don't know if he owned a company. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. I didn't have a chance to look at it. I don't know if he owned an analytics company or he really spent a lot of time – uh, dealing with them, but he clearly is somebody who used them to help bolster his decision making. He had really good, uh, like there were some offensive situations with power plays and stuff where he got a lot of credit for the kind of coaching he did. Um, I'm, I know he interviewed for the head coaching job in the island once. Mm-hmm. I think he interviewed in Nashville once. I'm doing this all off the top of my head, so <laughs> please forgive me. But he has interviewed for head coach. He's kind of been a guy who's been on the periphery and close. Right. So now he gets his opportunity. It's hard to go from assistant to head on the same team. Um, but this is a guy who's kind of been around, and it's not an easy way to get a chance, but he's going to get a chance. Hmm. Do we see then, though, I mean, coaching is one thing. Like, I'm not sure how much the Los Angeles Kings are going to completely turn around here. We'll, we'll see. Um, but how active do you see Rob Blake at trade deadline? Or is that just going to be dictated by the team? I think it's going to be dictated by the team. Like I said, he's got Arvidsson coming back. Yep. So uh, that's, you know, 
But, you know, there, there, there's going to be a bit of a squeeze. The Kings are tight to the cap. I think we all wonder about, do they take a shot at a goalie? Uh, but again, that's not going to be easy for them because of their cap situation. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think the other question is going to be, um, you know, I think I think Kaliev, um, it's clear that uh, his unhappiness going public rankled in the organization. So I'm curious to see where that goes. We've talked about them looking for a depth forward with some edge. Um, you know, they've got Lazat out. Um, so they've got, like, I mean, Arvidsson's the big one. They're really hoping he yeah. can come back and make a difference. And we'll see what happens around him. Okay. Um, they've, got, they've got a Matt Roy decision to make, too. You know, it, it seems like they have a lot of decisions here. Like, um, we've sort of, you know, mused before about do we see a, you know, reunification of the, the Minnesota goaltending tandem of Marc-Andre Fleury and, and Cam Talbot, depending on which way the Kings go here. Uh, I think there's a few, like uh, Jordan Spence, Brant Clark, uh, the transition of them into full-time NHLers, et cetera. Like, I, think there's, I think there's a few here, Elliot, a few decisions that L.A. has, has on their plate. Yep, I, I agree with that. Uh, all right, uh, elsewhere, uh, most notably this morning. So the reason I missed the first half of the program here today is I was with you, and I know you love spending your mornings with me, especially interviewing yes. hockey players, and we did a lot of that today. Uh, starting yep. with uh, with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl as a duo, and then it finished off with Rick Bonus and Rick Tockett as a duo as well. And in between, you know, we were sprinkled with you know players like Mitch Marner, uh, for example, of the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you mentioned the two Winnipeg Jets players, Connor Hallibuck and, and Kyle Connor as well. Um, a lot of these we'll see, we'll hear on the podcast, uh, clips of which we'll we'll see on television as well. Who stood out to you? And were there, were there any particular moments? Like, I loved your question about uh, to Mitch Marner about playing with Nathan McKinnon, uh, and you found out what his real nickname is, which is, uh, which is pretty funny, too. Uh, anything stand out for you specifically from our interviews this morning? Um, I really enjoyed Pocket and Bonus. Yep. That was the one I really liked because we didn't talk about their teams. We talked about, like, it was just fascinating how they sat down with us literally five minutes after the McClellan announcement and they didn't yeah. know, and they talked about uh, the coaching fraternity and what that's like. And I, I thought that was mm-hmm. uh, really fascinating. Um, I liked uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl on the comatose Chris Knobloch. Yes. And when, the, when they, <laughs> like they talked about their, their worst game of the year to Carolina, where Dreisaitl yeah. answered your question by saying, I think we forgot to pay, play how to play hockey. Yeah, there was the a lot period. of good stuff, yeah. but you know, Jeff, I do want to mention, I just walked into the media conference room, and uh, so, like, it's we're going to get the Olympic announcement, and we're going to get this stuff in just a couple of minutes. So Okay, you go. Uh, I got to run. You go. You get yeah. out of here. Okay, so there's Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. In moments, uh, the official announcement about Olympics and the, whatever they're going to call it, I don't think it's going to be Four Nations, but you know what I'm talking about. Canada, U.S., Finland, Sweden, um, tournament that the NHL puts on uh, next season.